going to make an assumption and you tell me if I'm wrong. You feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. I know it's true. There are always too many things to do and too little time. If you're like me, your boss will walk down the hallway and shout, go home, Beltran. That's why I am telling everyone about the 40-hour workweek with Angela Watson. Angela was a guest on this very podcast back in season one, and she shared her ideas for managing your time, teaching, and stuff to help you make the most of your time at work while making time for home too. But that was just the beginning. In her membership, The 40-Hour Workweek, Angela helps you focus on what matters to have a purposeful and productive workday and then go home. Angela helps teachers find, on average, 11 hours a week that they can take back for themselves while still being a great teacher. The best part is that Angela has a new membership, especially for coaches. She partnered with my friend and coffee buddy, Nicole Turner of Simply Coaching, to create the 40-hour work week for coaches. Check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com slash 40-hour week and get your time back. Coach, are you feeling like your teachers are just not interested in your support? Have you struggled to get into classrooms and impact positive change? Do your teachers turn the other way when they see you coming and put you off over and over again when you offer to visit their classrooms? So many coaches face these problems and they all revolve around one thing, the culture of coaching. If your school doesn't have a coaching culture, it can feel like you're bending over backwards to please everyone while actually accomplishing nothing. This summer, my favorite annual event, the Simply Coaching Summit, is all about building a coaching culture at your school. This online conference for instructional coaches is on July 11th, 12th, and 13th, and it will give you everything you need to change your school one step at a time. The summit is three days of keynotes, live workshops, pre-recorded sessions, and live meetups. I'm giving a keynote about how getting curious can change the culture of your school, but there is so much more to the summit that you have to see it for yourself. Head to buzzingwithmissb.com summit to save your spot. The best part is that you have six months to watch the videos. So if your summer plans didn't include some cozy PD at home on the couch, you can watch them when you're back to school. See you at the summit 2022. You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coach, and welcome to episode 99. This is our last episode in the series about time management and productivity for April. We were talking all about so much to do, so little time. And so far this month in episodes 97 and 98, we've chatted about how to conquer your chaos with clarity. And we've talked about some ideas for running your life so that you have time for the things that really matter to you. So today I'm doing a little bit of phone coaching and problem solving with a coach who's in the field. Courtney is working on managing her time and has realized that not having defined roles and responsibilities is impacting her ability to get everything done. And it's actually impeding her relationship building too. You know, I love doing coaching calls, but the truth is that before every call, I always think, what if I don't have anything to say? 
Um, and it kind of makes me a little bit nervous, but then once we actually start chatting, we problem solve together and come up with a plan that will support the coach who's on the call and hopefully you too, because the beautiful thing about coaching is it's not just about you having all the ideas. It's about you working collaboratively with a partner to create something that is going to support them. So you don't have to be the brains of the operation. (laughs) So I really want you to help me welcome Courtney to the podcast today. Um, welcome Courtney. I am so glad that you're able to join me today for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Um, Would you like to share a little bit about yourself and the coaching work that you're currently doing? Sure. So um, I have a undergraduate degree in human resource management, and I have my master's in education. And um, I felt like coaching would be the perfect mesh of the two Mm -hmm. of them together. (laughs) So I started my coaching in the elementary land from K to two. And this year is my first year in secondary. So I'm at the middle school level now. Okay, great. Um, how, How helpful is that, that first degree in your coaching work? Did you get a lot of support from that? Or is, do you find that it does not maybe blend as much as you had hoped? No, actually, it's been super helpful because, you know, something that's important with HR is building those relationships as well. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of those skills I was able to kind of bring over to the coaching world. That's awesome. I can imagine it would be. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So what is your main challenge right now as it relates to time management or productivity? Well, the biggest thing is that for me in particular, I have a lot of roles. Um, So I am the coach, but I'm also teaching two intensive reading courses, Mm -hmm. um, which can be very challenging because they're they're the lowest babies in the school um, in terms of middle school. Um, And then on top of that, I'm also the assistant testing coordinator. I'm the SIP coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, And then I also sit on the DAC, which is the district advisory or district advisory committee. So um, there's just a lot of different roles that I play. And then on top of that, I'm sure, you know, as a coach, anytime you're out of the classroom, there's just a lot of miscellaneous things that come up, whether it be behavior or, you know, this needs to get done and some, nobody's here to do it. So here it is. Yes. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot of that and it's difficult to find time to really do my, my sole purpose of coaching. Sure. Yeah. Um, that does happen whenever, whenever you're out of the classroom, you get assigned to do all those other tasks that teachers just don't have the time to do because they have students. And so then you're left with this long list of like unrelated things that have nothing to do with anything (laughs) that is your job, but nobody else can do it. Um, and then sitting on committees is difficult too. It's like, you want to make an impact and be supportive and make sure that these committees are moving in a good direction, but realistically it pulls you from the work that you're trying to do. And that makes it a real challenge because you're like trying to balance like the ideology, which is we should be supportive of these and we should be, you know, giving our input. Um, but then in practice, it doesn't always work out that way (laughs) anyway. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So what does your day look like? Like an average day or, or is every day a little bit different? That's the thing. It's like every day with the exception of knowing pretty much that I'm going to be teaching my two classes, mm-hmm. um, everything else is kind of up in the air. And I, I will say that being in middle school has provided that stability of knowing that those are two things that are going to be blocked out daily. Because okay. when I was in K-2 last year, it literally was a crapshoot of what you were going to get that day, um, especially with all of the pandemic stuff going on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, typically I have, I come in in the morning, I do duty outside with parent drop-off, come in, and then it's like I have a small chunk of coaching time um, before I get a class in. Um, and then I teach that class, have another break, 
and then I teach another class and then I'm back on break until lunch duty um, and then have a small break after lunch duty before I go out for parent pickup. So um, it's kind of like trying to play piecework mm-hmm. and figure out when I can, you know, meet, meet people's needs, but also be effective at it. Right. How long are those, those little chunks of time that you're having? Is it like one class period? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a class period or, you know, the one after lunch is, um, it's really only like a half an hour. Okay. Um, but you know, I also have to fit in my own planning time (laughs) and uh, in order to do my paperwork and different things that I need to do for district and data analysis and this and that. And then I also have to take my own lunch at some point, which a lot of times I don't get to, but Mm -hmm. I try. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just realistically, it's, I mean, I'm going to encourage you to do that, but I know that it is sometimes impossible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so one thing that might be helpful to think about is well, there's a couple things. One thing is really having like a focus for your coaching work that is very narrow because it can be overwhelming to try to support everybody. Like, do you have to support all the teachers on your campus or do you have, how do teachers get enrolled in coaching? What does that look like? So I just support the reading department. We have both a reading and an ELA department here. And sometimes I find my role kind of bleeding into both of them. Okay. Um, technically, I'm assigned only to the reading department. Um, but because we use the iReady program and both ELA and reading are using that, um, my line gets blurred within that program because mm-hmm. of my familiar, familiarity with it. Is there somebody else who coaches the ELA department or no? Okay. So then realistically, you're going to have to support you. It's just going to happen. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty much I'm the only coach down on this end in terms of um, middle school. Cause we're, a, we're a K to eight school. So okay. um, we have a K to two reading coach that is dedicated to that with nothing else. Then we have a three to five reading coach who is also our intervention specialist. Um, as well as a testing coordinator. So her roles are kind of all over. And then we have myself down here on the middle school side. Okay. Um, do, is the program that you're using with the struggling readers that you're working with, is that the same as what the teachers are doing in the classroom? Like is the same body of program or is it something you plan on your own? What does that look like? Well, so for most of the reading teachers, um, I do have I, the iReady program that I am familiar with, but I only use in one of my classes. Um, so there is some support there and actually we're getting ready to do a novel study with those kiddos. Um, but then for my other class, it is a program that only my class is teaching. I'm the only one that teaches that particular portion of the program. Um, and then there is a step above that program, which all of the other reading teachers use. And so I do have to support them in that as well. Okay. So for this novel study that you're about to start, is that something that you would like that that teachers might be able to integrate into their teaching, not necessarily the same novel, but the process that you're using, um, the strategies that you use with kids, is that something that teachers are doing in their classrooms that they would like support in? Yeah. So what happened is district came around and did what they call an e-learning walk and um, determined that the program that we were using for our um, reading kiddos for those that needed kind of upper level intensive, but, you know, not quite on grade level. Um, And then those students that were on grade level, they were both using the toolbox of the iReady program through curriculum associates. And um, it quickly between 
teaching it and reading on a daily basis or a bi-daily basis. And then also they're getting that exposure in ELA as well. Mm -hmm. It was exhaustive. And so district realized that we were kind of burning out on it quickly and it wasn't really contributing to success anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they decided that anybody that was in that upper level intensive or the basic course was going to do this novel study all across district. So Um, all of the reading classes that are at those levels will be doing it in every grade level across the district. Oh, wow. Is that something teachers are comfortable with or something that they would need some support in? Um, I think I'm going to have to support them. Um, There's a few that are frustrated that it's coming so late in the, in the year, because they've already started their own novel studies after they realized that the program wasn't working. Um, and so, you know, there's a little bit of a pushback there, of course. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the fact that it is being thrown at us in the middle of the year. And so, um, the teachers feel like they don't have enough time to get to know what we need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I can see that. Fly. It's always frustrating when a mandate comes down late in the year, especially whenever you've already addressed the need yourself and then you have to dump all your plans. That is super frustrating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something you might think about then is like taking the teachers along your journey in working with your group. So the group of students that you have that you're working with the novel, you're going to have to plan for them anyway, right? You're going to have to respond to what you see during class. You're going to have to have your question stems and all the activities and the strategies you're going to use. And it's the same novel. Everybody's doing the exact same novel. Exact same novel. Yeah. What novel is it? It must be the most amazing novel ever written (laughs) because what novel is it? It's Peak. I haven't read that one. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. I've been trying to familiarize myself with it myself because I, you know, I have, I had never read it either, but I guess it was something that was kind of adopted during a textbook adoption. Um, It kind of came along with the program. And so So they they said, well, we have it. Uh (laughs) So okay. doesn't matter how amazing (laughs) it is. Okay. Maybe it is, but that's not why they chose it. (laughs) Something you might think about in terms of like, just manage, like being, getting real, managing the time that you have, you already have to plan. You already have to (laughs) deliver. Deliver these lessons and it's the same thing they're going to be doing in their classrooms. So bring them into that opportunity along with you would be probably my best strategy to support that and to kind of kill two birds. If you have a group of kids that you are working with, with this novel, you can record yourself. You can plan with teachers whenever you're planning your lessons and model that process. You can, you know, build resources together whenever you plan with teachers. Do you have planning time with teachers at all regularly or no? No, I mean, you know, we have our PLCs in the afternoon once a week. Um, But aside from that, that, so far, I don't know if it's being done completely effectively Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, because we're K to eight, sometimes it looks like, okay, all of sixth grade is going to get together, all of seventh, all of eight, you know, Uh when we chunk it out at grade level. Then sometimes it's like, okay, now we need to do just the reading department. Oh, but wait, Mm -hmm. let's include the ELA. And so now we need to do a combined. And so Mm -hmm. it's difficult. (laughs) And we don't always have common planning time, given the fact that we just, you know, everybody's short staffed at this point. So I feel badly complaining about it because of the fact that it is, you know, a nationwide issue, Um, but it does contribute to not being able to really do the best that we can. Right. It's like, this is a systemic issue. There's nothing we can do to change it, but it impacts what we do every day. And it's really hard to to do anything without, without fixing this problem. That's unfixable. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, So what would you, you think that if you offered 
even like an optional virtual session, virtual planning session, like that everybody could get together and plan a week, you know, and, and it wouldn't be required necessarily, or you could, I don't know, it depends on how your faculty works as to whether you can make it required or not, you know, how your administration approves that, but like some kind of fun, let's get together, figure this out um, and really plan a good solid week. And then that is kind of like your tier one for everybody so that everybody starts, you know, with the tools that they need. And then you can see who needs what after that. Um, And just kind of like, okay, we've all got a foundation. We all know this is what the structure of the lesson plan is. Do they they provided like a lesson plan format or they just gave you? Yeah, they kind of gave us a template of this is what we wanted to look like. Okay. Yeah. So already teachers are going to be like, I don't know what this is. What does this mean? What do they want us to do in this box? Why do I have to write this? Like I can, I'm I'm sure you're already hearing all the questions. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And so you want that to be full of best practices. So what you can do is kind of like isolate just a handful of, of good practices that you want teachers to get really good at and that you can, and you can collaborate with this. It doesn't have to all come from you. Like the teachers can share ideas. You can say, okay, this week, let's really focus on the background knowledge that kids need to comprehend this second, this part of text, or let's really focus on analyzing character relationships, or, you know, you can identify focus based on your strategies, all the things that we do when we plan, but teachers don't always have maybe the bandwidth, mental bandwidth at the time to think through because there's just so much being dumped on them, you know? So that collaborative planning could be a really good way to support teachers across the board, you know, and, um, and also do the work you have to do anyway. And it'll take you longer because you're doing it with teachers. It always takes longer when we do it with a team, (laughs) but (laughs) it'll, it'll, it'll kill two birds, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's something that might work or can you envision a way in which that might be supportive of teachers? Yeah, definitely. I mean, because, I mean, it kind of sounds like we, I had one of my teachers from the reading department this week. Um, We had just gotten together casually kind of in the morning just to chit chat and catch up with another reading teacher. And she had said, you know, guys, can we just, can we just get together and get ahead of this novel study and try to figure out what we need to do? Because, you know, I'm just lost. I don't know what to do. And, you know, that's when the one was like, well, I've already been doing this other. So I'm not even going to start with that because, you know, and, you know, the little bit of pushback there, but, um, I, I do, I do see where that would be beneficial. Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, what are some of the kinds of like coaching work that you could bundle into that? If you think about the responsibilities that you have as a coach, what, um, I hate to use the metaphor about killing birds all the time, but what birds can you kill? <laughs> that sounds awful. <laughs> you know, what, um, <laughs> what, uh, what, like, what could you accomplish through that? If you really were purposeful about how you roll it out, you know, how could you use that as kind of like a tool to get a lot of other things done? Yeah, I, I think, you know, mostly it's just going to be that collaboration piece, um, you know, the the team planning, the PLC portion, being able to discuss those students that are struggling once we do get going on it mm-hmm. um, yes. and do, you know, do that troubleshooting together during the planning time as well. Um, because it is nice once you get together, being able to say, okay, well, this issue might come up. So how do we want to approach it if it does? Um, Especially when you know the students and you know what type of things they typically have issues with. Um, So that aspect is good there. Um, There are some certain areas that personally, I'm just not even clear on what they expect from me Um, because we did have a coach down here last year Um, but you know, things were vastly different last year than they are this year. And, um, 
even more so than the year before. And so it's kind of difficult to outline what exactly everybody does want my role to look like, mm-hmm. um, you know, given the, the variances over the past three, four years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The role has definitely changed. I mean, it's always a little bit different depending on the admin and, te- and who the coach right. is and what the school's needs are. But this past few years, it has just been tumultuous. <laughs> and so absolutely like defining that role clearly is going to be essential for you to figure out even how, like, no matter what strategies we think of today, if you don't have a clearly defined role, there's no way like, well, so what am I trying to accomplish with this? Right. Um, yeah. Like what, am, what is my job here that I'm trying to, I mean, I can plan with teachers. Is that my job right now? Like, <laughs> you know, um, so that would probably be your very first step. Um, and then you can, once, once you've identified that, then you can use that to gear, like kind of guide the work that you can do through this novel study. But, um, as far as defining your role, have you had a dialogue with your administration about what that is? I have, it's just, the difficulty is, is that it seems that district and then administration, they all kind of have this and and different administration too. They all kind of have this different outline or look as to what they think that this role means. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so in the primary land (laughs) district is telling me this is a grant funded position. You're only allowed to do coaching things. And when you're not doing coaching things, then you're out of contract and we have to explain that. And so, you know, they're saying you're not supposed to be in classrooms and running small groups and you're not supposed to be pulling intervention groups. And, you know, that's not your job as a coach. And then you come down here to the secondary site. And that was one of the first things that the administrator talked to me about was we want you in the classroom. We want you with the teachers in the classroom with groups. And so, um, you know, and that's, that's just one administrator because we're such a large school, we have four. Um, and so if you talk to one and ask them, but then if you go to the head honcho, you know, she has a different look because she used to be a coach. And so everything is just a little bit different and it's kind of trying to, you know, figure out where the balance is so that you're leaving everybody is there. Well, you won't ever do that. Well, (laughs) I mean, I guess that's true. Right. (laughs) But I know what you mean. (laughs) Yeah. Trying. Um, Yeah. Trying to, trying to be like, am I on the same page here as anybody else? Or am I, are we all on our own pages? Exactly. Like I'm trying to be a team player across the board, but you know, and not only that, like if you have, okay, this is what I think I'm supposed to do. And I'm going to fill up my day with these things. And then somebody dumps a responsibility that I did not think was mine on me. And I have to do it because they're, you know, there's no way to weasel out of it. So, (laughs) so, um, is there anybody who's like the final decision maker? Who's your evaluator? Is there any person that might hold a little more of the authority when it comes to that decision? I mean, obviously I would say our principal, because even, even my middle school administrator will say, well, you know, that's her decision. So uh, I think overall she probably does. This is her second year being a principal. I mean, she's been an AP forever, but this is her second year as the head honcho. And so, you know, she's trying to find her, her waters as well. And, um, it's, it's just difficult at times, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it, this is a terrible time to be new at anything. <laughs> education. <laughs> um, I probably would sit down and have an honest dialogue with this person then and say, okay, so I am trying to figure out how to best spend my spring semester because I want to support teachers. I want to support kids and I want to make sure that I'm making the most of my time. And so can you help me figure out like a real 
firm definition of my role and what I should be focusing on every day. Now, uh, that being said, spring sometimes looks different than the fall, just out of necessity because we have testing coming up, right? And so the fun part is over. That's what I always felt like in the spring. (laughs) The fun part of the year is over. And that's terrible to say. It's not completely true. But this is the part of the year where your role starts to be distorted, like March, April, May starts looking a little different anyway, just because you do tend to do more teacher support and testing and intervention and you have to run testing groups. And if you're the testing coordinator, that's going to suck up a lot of time there. But maybe that, that aside, what is the ideal role that they want you to serve? You know, and so if you sit with them and you say, can I like schedule a time? Say, I really want to talk to you about this. I really need a little chunk of your time. I need 30 minutes. I need 45 minutes because I feel like I am unsure of where to spend my time. And if I'm not sure where to spend my time, I'm not really accomplishing anything across the semester. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's you're spinning your wheels, right? You're trying to put out fires. You're trying to like, maybe I can help this. Too. Oh, she needs. Okay. I'll try to help her. But whenever all we're doing is like helping, we're not really doing the coaching work because we have no we can't stick to our guns when somebody says, now I need this. We can't be like, oh, well, I have a plan that I have to follow through on, you know? So if you can talk to the admin and say, okay, I really want you to help me look at this. Can we talk about like, what do you envision my role as? Why am I here? Why do you have a coach? And so not so much as like, don't start out so much as, well, what should I do? Start out with, why am I here? <laughs> like an existential right, question. Okay. Why does this role exist? You know, um, if you didn't have a coach, what, what would you be losing? What would you picture not having? Like, what is the benefit of having me here? And then from there, you can say, okay, so what kinds of tasks should I be working on? Where should my time be going? And, and really break down the time. You can even show them your schedule. Say, look, this is the real reality of what I'm working with in terms of these are my groups. This is, these are my responsibilities. This chunk of time every day I have to dedicate to this or whatever. And say, this is the remaining time I have. I have two hours a day broken up into 35 minute chunks or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Where should that time go? What should I, what is my biggest thing that I should be accomplishing? And make a little list of, of roles that you can, you know, serve in terms of your coaching work, the actual coaching, coaching work, not the intervention, not all the committees and all the other stuff. Right. And from there, you can say, okay, I have this idea about how I might meet some of these through this novel study that we have to do anyway. And so we have to support teachers, but I can grow them. And you want me to, you know, you want me to plan collaboratively. I can do that. You want me to coach in classrooms and model lessons. I can do that with a novel. You want me to model intervention. I can record myself when I'm working with my kids and share that with the teachers. You know, once you get approval from the kids' parents or or if you just record yourself, however that works in your district. Um, You know, there are different ways that you can maximize that if you know what they're trying to help you accomplish, like what the point is. Um, based on some of the conversation. Oh, and then after that, after you go from that, after you have their, their, whatever their input is, type it up, make a bulleted list, make a plan, write it all out, you know, engrave it. <laughs> and then <laughs> the other admin and say, I'm just, you know, my, the, the principal and I sat down, we came up with a really defined role and I wanted to share this with you. Okay. And that way everybody, whether they like the same, they may have input, there may be adjustments you can make, but at least you have an idea, like they have an idea of what your defined role is per the administration and then share it with teachers. Say, okay, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm here to do. This is how I can support you. These, these four things are the things I'm going to focus on planning time, modeling lessons, co-teaching, um, I don't know, resource support, whatever it is that you choose, um, and create a really basic little thing, just like a slideshow or a bulleted list, what email, whatever it is that you can like explicitly share with teachers and say, this is how I'm here to help. If you need help, 
they can approach you or you can seek people out and say, I really want to try modeling a lesson. Can I try it in your class? You know, I really want to like collaboratively plan this. Like we talked about having a virtual session. Can we plan together? Mm -hmm. Um, I know there's been a lot of interest and a lot of concern with a novel study. I would love to support you in that. Let's get together and and create some plans that'll, that'll work for everybody. That'll support everyone. I can walk you through the lesson plan format. We can brainstorm some question stands. We can come up with strategies. We can collaborate and really get at the true heart of what that can look like, you know, of of working together. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that defining that role and then, from there, moving into sharing it, making sure everybody knows what it is, and then acting on it is probably your best bet um, in terms of, of having some peace with the work that you're doing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Do you yeah, think- I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's it too, because it's it's I had explained to my principal earlier in the year. Um, well, f- first of all, I, you know, I had apprehensions coming up to middle school from primary because I just was, that's pretty much where my entire career across the board has been. And so for her to approach me and say, we really just, we need you down there. I was, you know, it was, <laughs> it caught me off guard. It was very complimentary, but at the same time, I just was like, I, I don't, I didn't know what she saw, you know what I mean? So um, yeah. you know, just getting here and getting my feet wet and yeah. getting to know the programs that I've never used before down here. And so trying to learn them myself so that I can help model. Um, I did, I just, I felt kind of like, okay, now I'm in survival mode. Let me just kind of move forward and do what I can do. So I do see where that would be beneficial. Okay, great. Yeah. I, you know, I'm going to venture a guess just because of differences that you tend to see in elementary, you know, primary middle school. Some of the things that elementary teachers or coaches are really good at that that and that maybe middle school could use support in because middle school tends to know their content area pretty well, but not as much strategies of instruction and differentiation. Elementary teachers tend to be good at choosing strategies that support student need, you know, identifying how to help kids learn something. They don't just put content out there. They say how what what vehicle, what tool am I going to use as a vehicle to support students in learning this? How will I know when they learned it? What will I do when they haven't? When I can tell that they still need support. And sometimes that differentiation or that response, you know, to like intervention, if if they wanted you to pull intervention groups right away, I'm going to guess they need to learn a lot about how to differentiate their lessons in terms of meeting needs of different kids at the same time. Do you think that that is due to the fact that in elementary, they have their classrooms all day long, you know, and the same students, whereas middle school, it's very like boxed out. That could be a huge part of it, which is why I'm a fan for keeping kids in the same room as long as possible. (laughs) Um, You know, I know fifth grade, for example, in our district always is pushing to, to departmentalize. And I prefer if you're going to if you're going to move kids from class to class, I'm like, just split the day, then do language, you know, English language arts, you know, reading, writing, social studies, half the day, math and science, the other half, that's okay. But I feel like once you get beyond that, they don't know the kids as well. It takes a really long time to get to know them just because they're with you such a short amount of time. Like logistically, if you have a class of tons of kids for 45 minutes, how long does it really take you to get to know those kids? You know, Um, so that might be one thing that you integrate into this planning together is how do you know who needs what, you know, what your kids need, how, what tools can you use to find out what they need? And then what, how can you respond to it once you find out? Um, Because that's, you know, whenever we have one lesson plan and we stick to the plan, especially when you have short um, class times, like 45 minutes is is like, get them in, get them out. You know, Um, that can be 
really stressful to teachers. And so they can take, they tend to like, okay, I got to do this check, 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 check. And it's not so much about responding to what they see. So what you mentioned earlier about noticing who's struggling, what they're struggling with and how to respond to it, that could be a really good focus for the work that you're doing. Because if teachers are not doing those little, you know, um, checks for understanding, if they're not doing them in the moment, they're not, they don't know the kids don't understand until they give an assessment down the road. And that could be part of the reason that, that your expertise would be valued at that level. Is that in, in the work that you've done with classrooms, is that something that you've seen? Yeah, I, I, for sure. I mean, especially for those teachers that, you know, have every other day, you know, for oh, me, yeah. my students, they come to me every single day and they will for the entire year. Whereas some of these teachers, they only have these students every other day. Yeah. And then if you throw in a day off or a holiday or whatever, you know, they might just <laughs> see them whenever. And so then you add on the fact that not all of them are a whole year long. They're only a semester and that oh, just yeah. continues to cycle through. Yeah, that's really rough. Scheduling in middle school and high school is rarely to the support of students and teachers relationships, you know, right? it's just not, um, it's all about logistics and practicality. And, and especially when you have staffing issues, it's always a struggle. <laughs> I um, know. And that's a, that's a whole other thing too. Yes. It is. Yeah. Another <laughs> issue that you cannot solve, right? All you can do is work within that. <laughs> for now. Um, so in terms well, of, that's, Oh, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, that's something ahead. that I would love to ask you though, because okay. we do have a reading teacher that, um, her set was just so much better for the ESC department. She's been doing ESC for like 20 years. And, um, one of our big coordinators for ESC had left towards the beginning of the year. And so they decided to pull the reading teacher and move her into one of those roles. And, um, she's been kind of bouncing back and forth and making sure the lesson plans are there and that her kids are taken care of. She's done a fabulous job, but as we move into, you know, the sub, either a long-term sub covering or a new teacher, um, altogether, you know, what would be your recommendations in order to support either of those roles? Yeah. In the middle of the year like this. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a common issue. Um, that teachers have is long-term sub and it's, it's so challenging. I mean, the coaches have is long-term subs. Um, I would recommend using that classroom as your Guinea pig. <laughs> That's one thing you can do. If you have, you know, the ability to get in there, um, you know, every, every other day, whatever, like one of those open periods that you have mm-hmm. and then record those lessons. If you spend time okay. in there, record it and share it with teachers. So if you want to mo- like use that as an opportunity to say, okay, we're talking about using um, a vocabulary sorting activity for our novel study up coming up soon. I think this is a strategy teachers would like. I'm going to go record myself. I'm going to do that lesson with this classroom. So they get the benefit of that. So the sub gets the benefit of seeing it and how you interact with the kids and how you, you know, what your lesson structure looks like. And from there, you can share that with other teachers. You can create a bank of videos. Um, video is really a good way to go whenever your time is short and limited because that way everybody can see it, but you don't have to provide coverage because you probably have no coverage for anybody right now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So if you do it that way, everybody can watch it at home. Everybody can watch it during their conference period. You can do it during a PLC where you show the video and say, these are three strategies we can use in our upcoming unit. Um, but you really maximize your time in that classroom while giving kids and the sub support. And you're giving you, you're like leveraging that to use that with other classrooms too. 
that might be a good way to do it. Checking on lesson plans will be helpful, but just, just having a lesson plan doesn't mean that that lesson is going to be taught the way that you would look at it from that lesson plan. It's so like you see a lesson plan, you go, oh, I would do this, this, I would make sure kids understand by doing this. And this is what this would look like. And then somebody else does it. And you're like, oh, that's not what I thought was <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> So definitely, um, I mean, the lesson plans are helpful, but having that teacher see you teach, that's that long-term sub, see you teach some lessons, maybe staying a week ahead of everybody else in whatever that you're, you know, if you can, at least a few days in terms of um, whatever lessons you're delivering, if they can be in advance of what everybody else is going to do, that can be really helpful too. So that way you can do it in there and then turn it around for everybody else to benefit from. Okay. I know that's a lot, but it's, I mean, and, and these are all like best case scenario, things, <laughs> right? And so whenever you start figuring out what that actually looks like, it might, you know, not look maybe the way that it might not be perfect, but if you can at least get a little bit of value that's beyond that one classroom, that's what's ideal. Because what's difficult is we're like, okay, we have to spend all this time in this classroom and now, now what I've neglected everybody else, you know, I'm in here every day and nobody else is benefiting from this. These, you know, 25, 30, however many kids it is are benefiting from this. And then that's it. And so as a coach, we really have to think about how we can leverage whatever work we do to benefit somebody else, because that's the only way we can reach other classrooms. You know, it's just too many people that need you. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that that's something that could be doable or do you like what, what might that look like logistically? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I mean, that that classroom pretty much for the most part um, follows my same schedule in terms of availability. And so uh, I, I should be able to pop over there a couple times during the day. And I have, um, you know, as they've made the transition. But as we move into the new curriculum in this, you know, second semester, I definitely feel like the video lessons are something that would be helpful. Okay, cool. Um, the last thing I want to kind of encourage you to look up or think about is um, micro coaching. So micro coaching is basically like teeny weeny little coaching cycles, because that's probably realistically what you can do. <laughs> I mean, just you, you're not having a three week cycle with one classroom right now. That's not right. something you can spend the time on. But in micro coaching, you say, okay, we're going to focus on this one little tiny thing. And it doesn't matter what lesson it's in. It doesn't like all that's irrelevant. What you're looking at is like a strategy or something specific. So we are going to look at um, the way that you frame questions. We're going to look at how you get students engaged, what strategy you're using. This is one tiny thing you can do. And so you have, you know, like a, a short um, pre-conference, you have your, your classroom work where you do a model, which I mean, the model lesson can be 20 minutes long. It doesn't have to be the full period. You know, you can do a co-teaching session, or you can do an observation where the teacher implements something that you've tried or talked about. And then you do your closing and your, you know, your um, post-conference can be very short as well. Let's talk about how it went, what the outcome was, and what teachers can implement next. So you can do all that within a couple of days instead of having these long, drawn-out sessions that it's just not realistic that you're going to ever be able to close anything out if you do that, you know? So micro-coaching, you can, you can Google it, um, uh, but that's one thing that you can really kind of 
realistically implement with a few teachers and you can do a few cycles with a couple teachers and then ask somebody else and or invite somebody else or somebody else can request it but if you focus on let's keep it short let's keep it really focused we're not talking about the whole elar block here we're not talking about the whole class we're talking about what is the strategy you can use to get kids started right away when they walk in the door what is one strategy you can use to help kids access their background knowledge before they read what is one strategy you can use to help kids predict you can really focus it on the content that you're trying to share as well and just this, the more focused you are, the more likely you'll be able to accomplish it okay. and the teachers can implement it too. That's that great. One thing. Okay, good, good, good. Is there anything else that you'd like to kind of talk about real quick before we wrap up or is there, or do you like, how do you see this working out? What are your thoughts? No, I just, you know, I just, at the beginning of the year, I wasn't feeling very effective at any of my roles. <laughs> you know, I just felt like I was kind of stretched across the board and I was trying to keep up with them all and I wasn't doing any of them well. And I was very open and honest with my administrator about that. I, you know, I was learning the programs and I just felt like between it all, in order to be really effective at something, something else would have to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm kind of feeling much better about that now. Um, I think that micro coaching is going to be a huge help because that was one of the things that was really weighing on me was the fact that I wasn't able to spend the amount of time that I really wanted to doing the coaching cycles. Um, so if I can do something that still accomplishes anything to help the students, you know, and the teachers themselves, um, you know, and still be effective in my role, that would be great. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. I hope that that you have some thoughts that will that you can kind of implement that you have a plan to really discuss with your admin. I think that's going to be yes. foundational um, in your upcoming work. And you know, really, I mean, I know it's hard and everybody says it, but do be patient with yourself because this time of year <laughs> is tough. This year is really tough. Um, and it's, it's like all you can do is what you can do next. You know what I mean? Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody talked about how rough last year was and it was, it yeah. absolutely was. But, um, you know, there are even more people talking about how this year was mm -hmm. quite possibly more difficult than last year. And I do see that side of things as well. Cause a lot of us thought that we were going to be getting back to normal and right. we started the year off a very normal way. And then now we're, you know, kind of scrambling again yeah. and it just yeah. goes through those cycles. So um, and then, like you said, we have testing coming up, we're getting ready to start WIDA, then we have FSA. And so it really is, it's just a jumble of trying to be effective. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, everybody's so worn down from the last few years, like mentally and emotionally, it's been exhausting. So finding the patience and the brain capacity to learn something new is like, are you, what do you, what are you asking me to do? Right? I cannot do that. I cannot do that. Um, and, and we get it, but then the job also has to be done. So it's like this constant right. battle, you know, um, it's, it's really, it's tough. And so try to be patient with yourself and, and do what you can do and know that that is better than if you hadn't done it. <laughs> right. I mean, that's done is better than perfect. Right. And Absolutely. So you do it. You try you, if, if teachers walk away with something they can do in their classrooms. Great. You know, that's, that's what you can do, um, with the time that you have right now, because, if you try to take on these really big projects, it's just going to be super frustrating. So be patient, focus on the small stuff, you know, really focus on the making the best use of those little micro coaching cycles and defining your role at a, like, say, this is, this is the four things I want to, I want to do. Like, let's keep it really short and simple this year because that's just the reality. 
I absolutely will try. Okay. <laughs> I know it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard for everybody, but, but, um, but yeah, give, it's okay to, to, to not do everything. It's okay to just do what's essential right now. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for joining me today. I would love to hear how your plan goes. If you ever want to sure. send it to me, I would love to hear how, how it went or if you were able to do any of these things and, and, um, and what the outcome was. So thank you. Absolutely. For thank you so much for your time. Oh my goodness, coaches. I feel like we talked about so many important things during our chat just now. Um, I hope that it meets some of the needs that you're having right now in the spring semester where it seems like everything is hitting the fan. <laughs> and, uh, and I wanted to share some other episodes with you about roles and responsibilities that can help you focus your work. So episode 22 is about defining your role for yourself. And then episode 23 is about sharing your role with teachers. These two episodes go really well together because it gives you kind of a process for figuring out what you want to focus on for kind of sharing that with your admin and figuring out what they think you should be focusing on and, and coming to a, a kind of an agreement there. And then sharing that role with your teachers in ways that are, are going to stick and hopefully invite teachers into the process. In episode 68, I talk about providing different levels of support and using those as access points to get teachers enrolled in coaching and to build your coaching menu. And then in episode 73, I share about 10 roles that coaches serve and what those actually look like in my coaching, because those roles that we see, those 10 roles we see popping up online all the time, sometimes they look a little bit different in everybody's job. But I wanted to give you some ideas of what that can look like in practicality so that you know, okay, the way that it looks in my job might be a little different, um, but this is how it looks. So I have a really cool free download for you. If you go to buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 99, that's episode spelled out and then the number is 99. You can grab the coaching menu uh, for free. You just enter your email address at the bottom of the post there. It's going to include the recording of this podcast and some show notes. But if you scroll down, you can grab it and um, it'll be sent to your inbox, your email. So grab that coaching menu. It's a good place to use as a starting point. You can make one of your own, but that's kind of like some inspiration for you or some ideas of what it could look like. It's really simple and it's a way to let teachers know what you do and also to help you focus your work. Next week is my hundredth episode of this podcast, which is crazy to me because I remember distinctly starting this podcast uh, a few years ago, sitting in my office thinking, oh, I guess I, I'm ready to do this. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm already at the hundredth episode. I'm super excited because it's a very special episode. I've invited my wonderful friend, Laura Hunt Palacios to interview me. Okay. I sent her some questions from viewers, from listener viewers like you. I sound like PBS now from listeners like you, but I'm also giving her free reign, which should be pretty interesting uh, because I've known Laura for a long time. I've known her since I was a classroom teacher. Uh, in my third year of teaching, I actually taught her son. And then later, Laura was my student teacher. So we have a whole history in education and outside of teaching. And so I really want you to join me next week for that fun special episode. I'm looking forward to recording it <laughs> and to sharing it with you. Until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching.